Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. Today's guest on the show is Alex Hayes. Alex is best known for his social media presence. Um, he is someone who, oh man, like about a half million followers on Instagram, absolutely sending it in so many different disciplines. So he is an incredibly talented surfer, incredibly talented foil surfer, pushing the limits in big waves as much as anyone is right now. Uh, just got back from the Unifoil Bali trip and the clips that I have seen, which you will all get to see soon, it's just kind of mental. Um, my joke, I was joking around with them, was I, I'm super happy that I ended up not being able to make that trip because I don't think I'd want any part in what these guys were doing. It's just incredible. Um, jumps out of airplanes, uh, jumps off cliffs. It is all pretty, pretty mind-blowing. Um, so you'll get to know Alex. You'll get to understand what drives him, um, motivates him, where his inspiration comes from. I mean, it's hard to follow Alex, what he's doing, and and not be inspired by what he's doing. And um, I mean, I think that's uh, something that really drives him is being that light for folks to uh, to go out there and do it. And, and his thoughts on social media are actually very interesting too. Uh, so that's kind of in the middle end of the show. And I, th I think you guys will dig that. So before we dive in, though, I want to take a minute to I don't really have sponsors on the show. But if I did have a sponsor, if there was someone I'd want to hype, it would be Eric Goodman and foundation training. You guys have heard it's a theme constantly going through the show. But I owe so much gratitude to Eric for what he has helped me with over the last probably 15 years at this point. You know, I have a back issue, thought I was going to have to have spinal fusion surgery. He helped me get back to a place where, you know, 15 years on from that, probably at this point, I am in better shape, uh, feel better in, in that regard for my back than I did, you know, when I was 28 years old um, to him. And I haven't really talked about it much, but for the last like six months, I've been getting, thought I was getting like whiplash, like micro concussions uh, in foiling and kept waking up with headaches. And it was getting to be a like something that I was starting to get very concerned about. Like I was actually thinking about, knock on wood, I was actually thinking about going in and get an MRI, just seeing if there's something weird going on, all this stuff. And so I hit my breaking point. Actually, it's really cool because this is my plan with, uh, <laughs> you got my plan with, with, uh, with folks sometimes is get them into foiling and then um, you they get foil braided and then you're chatting with them all the time. Eric and I have been really good friends for a long time, but Eric's a busy dude, but now he's foil braided, which is really cool. He started on the wing. And so we've been jamming a lot about that. And um, I actually uh, called him the other day about two weeks ago and I was like, Eric, I, I don't know what's going on. You know, I kind of explained all the stuff and he's like, I think it's your neck. He's like, you've been surfing your whole life. Um, and you know, over a FaceTime call was able to help me understand what was happening. Um, basically there was some nerve that was 
being impinged. It was radiating up the side of my head and manifesting and all these like weird things. But I am two weeks in now of a bunch of exercises that he gave me, incorporating foundation training, but some some separate, um, about strengthening the front of my neck where, you know, you paddle prone your whole entire life. So the back of your neck's just overpowered. I get these little whiplash things. And then that locks up and then it's pulling me into some sort of flexion that's pinching a nerve or something. And, and all I know is that two weeks on, I feel 10 years younger. And I am so grateful. I have just been like, I've called him probably, he's probably tired of me right now because I'm calling him so much being like, dude, thank you. Just because, you know, I sent it really hard a couple days in a row now and I had a fall yesterday that for sure, I actually came home from the session. I downwinded yesterday. It was terrible. Absolute shocker. Winds are wrong. I just got frustrated. Didn't get up for 40 minutes, but I was just like, got in that stubborn phase where I'm just, I'm going to send. And um, finally got up and everything everything was wrong. Got like, a, I don't know, a little less than a mile of flight. Just sent it back to the beach. And I was coming into the beach. There was a lot of swell. I was on a big foil. I was on the uh, 200. And I breached in the surf, went over the front, basically tacoed, landed really hard, like kind of like head and back. And that is the exact fall that would have put me in jail for a day or two. I would have felt terrible. I came home from the session. Um, told my wife, Sarah, I was like, well, if this, uh, is the neck thing, like it's gonna be really interesting to see how I feel tomorrow because that was when hundred percent what was going to just put me in jail. And I woke up this morning feeling brilliant. And so doing this podcast, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Eric and, uh, his work is so powerful and I don't do that. You know, I, I don't, I don't say that like, I'm not a disciple for very many things, but that guy's brilliant and his courses are incredible foundationtraining.com check them out this is not in any way paid i get nothing for this uh except for the fact that i want to help out my buddy eric and i want to help you guys out because if there's something little that you're dealing with maybe it's a lot more simple than you thought it was i mean the stress that i've had over this over the last little bit um kind of bumming me out and now i've just flipped it and just couldn't be more stoked so eric thank you and um yeah. All right. Let's dive in to the podcast. That was really long. I was going to talk about some other stuff, but I'll do it on the next one. I just recorded um, a show with LA Foiler, Ryan Arzi, uh, which is a very cool one. He's a, a coach of foiling, coaches on Nomotu, teaching folks who are just getting into the sport, generally first flights, and has more experience doing that than probably most people. And so we, we break that all down. So it's going to be a great one to share with friends who are getting into foiling. Um, and some new things that I hadn't necessarily thought of, like starting on smaller foils rather than bigger foils and why in his experience, that has been a good thing. So, all right, enjoy the show with Alex Hayes. He's an absolute legend. I was really stoked to get him on and I hope that you guys are sending and having a blast. Right on. Alex, thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me, dude. I'm going really good and I'm frothing. Happy to be here. I have been living vicariously through you and Brian, Josh, everybody on that Bali trip, seeing all the clips. Get, I've been getting the back the backstage secret shots sent to me. <laughs> How epic was that? Oh, dude, it was a dream. It's it's really cool going to Bali. You know, I've I'm a, I've been a surfer my whole life, and so I've always gone over there for surf trips, and then to go over there twice the last two months for a purely foiling motivated trip has been 
it just added a whole new world of an experience over there. So it's like going to foil all these waves that I never thought I'd be even looking at to now it being one of the better sessions in my life. It's like, wow. So I'm on a massive high still from just coming back from over there. The clips that I saw, the waves that you were riding, I would not look at and think, yeah, I want to go foil that. Like I, I looked at the clips <laughs> and I decided I'm not going to Bali next year. There's no way. I don't <laughs> want any part of that, man. Like, is that foilable? I mean, how many people are really going to enjoy foiling surf that's like that? It seems so hectic to me. But what you guys are doing, I mean, you're drawing beautiful lines on it. Yeah, I mean, it's enjoyable because you are almost dying, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Brian said you were doing your best. You and Josh were doing your best to hurt yourselves. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we're seeing who could get deeper. Yeah, it, no, it's a really cool wave. It's a really, really exciting feeling to see a big face in front of you. And, you know, especially at waves like Ulu's and Temple's and the ones that are just like a long left, you can kind of have faith and confidence that you'll gain enough speed to make the sections. Although it is very like overwhelming and scary. You just try, yeah, just trying to draw a nice line and not get too caught behind. But when you do, one of the boys lost their foils and it went on the cliff and it was a nightmare. So <laughs> you want to try avoid that. Oh man. All right. So I want to dive into so much foil stuff, but what I'd first like to do is to get an idea of how you got to this place in your life because you know i know you through your social media and it just seems like you are gallivanting around the globe just doing rad stuff throwing yourself over huge waves and out of airplanes and then at night you're at some club sending it behind the tables how do you end up being alex hayes at what 25 years old right now yeah yeah 25 25 yeah how'd you get here Oh, I don't know. It just like, I mean, there's been a lot of experiences in my life that I've, I've learned from and I've, I'm extremely ADHD as you might be able to gather from my Instagram. I'm always just trying activities and always trying shit. So I guess a lot of trial and error in things I just genuinely enjoy has led me to where I am. I mean, I started social media pretty early when it was like Instagram and stuff came out. So I guess there's a lot of right place, right time luck with mm -hmm. me just putting out a lot of content back in the day, which I'm very grateful to say it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me to have flexibility to travel and freedom to kind of create projects and then get funded for them and just try create momentum in that way. And yeah, surfing's also been a very large part of my life since I was a kid. I mean, I started doing surf lifesaving, which is like, junior lifeguarding or like nippers we call it here in australia and that was my competitive drive as a kid and then as i got a little bit older and it was seen to be cooler to be a surfer <laughs> i jumped ships quite soon and just wanted to surf a lot but yeah i don't know it's it's hard it's always funny to try like look back in hindsight and be like how did i get here because i don't really know like i guess i'm just i'm really blessed i i have a lot of opportunity and have an amazing family and growing up in Australia, there's always a lot of opportunity over here and same with America. So just trying to make the most of what I can when I can. And yeah. I love it. I love it. And I feel like you are incredibly successful, but you also realize that it's taken a lot of your own work and then also maybe a lot of luck along the way. And 
sure. you have an inspiring message. And I think that's why you are as popular online as you are, because it's hard to not follow and then it's hard to follow and then not go out and want to send something over the ledge, right? It's inspirational. How much of that is thought out? How much is that is just your innate Alex Hayes? It's a really good question. I mean, a lot of my inspiration through having a social media following has come from the motive of like, I, I do want to inspire. I believe I can change the world. And I truly believe that every single person can change the world if they believe it. And it's just that kind of collective feeling that I'm trying to push that, you know, we can all change the world by just changing ourselves and trying to be the best versions of ourselves and just live life because that's what we're here for. You know, we've won, we've won the lotto to be here. So I'm trying to be an example for that. I don't want to be one of those people that are saying like, go live your life. Like, it's like, nah, like we get to and here, I'm going to show you ways that I want to live my life. And then hopefully that can inspire you to find ways to live yours. And oh. it's not necessarily all the fun things, you know, I'm very vocal online about like meditation and Wim Hof breath work and ice baths and just training your body, training your mind, because if you're constantly bettering yourself in that aspect, that momentum will roll over to all other areas. And I just think life just gets better with that, you know, and as challenges come your way, you'll have the strengths to push through those challenges. I love it. You know, um, I'm someone who has also decided to live life kind of guided by passion. And that's one of the things that I try to share. It's one of the, like the subplots, subtexts of sub themes of the podcast, I think, is that, you know, I went the road of doing the office job and was absolutely miserable. I mean, I've told the story, but I mean, I was probably drinking like eight beers a day just to be hung over enough to sit in an office all day or else I'd just leave. And then there was just a moment where I was like, this is just not cool. I'm just going to go do whatever the heck I want and see where it lands because nothing could be this bad. And then it was like life opened up at that moment for me. And it was really easy to be successful once I was doing things that I loved doing. And I feel like there's a lot of fear about jumping out of the rat race maybe and yeah. starting to live a self-directed, passion-driven life. And so I think that the more examples out there for that, it's great because, I mean, that's what I want my kids to be able to do. And success isn't about money, you know, and so you need some of it, but being happy and fulfilled is way more important. And that's all I wish for them. And so like having lights like you trying to showcase that as well. I think it's incredibly important. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, I think it's success isn't the money, it's the experiences. And it's just trying to like embrace your experience as much as possible. Yeah, well said. So when did you get the foiling bug? I mean, this is also a foiling show. Yeah. And I've been excited to talk about foiling, dude. I, every phone call in my life and everyone I meet, everyone I chat to now, it doesn't matter who it is, I will always relate a conversation back to four. <laughs> <laughs> Are people tired of that yet? Oh, I don't know. I, I have no registry, like registry if they are because I just keep talking <laughs> about it. That's funny. So like you're doing some incredibly extreme sports. Why has foiling captivated you? It really has, I guess, put in a logical way. I think you're going faster. You're slightly risen off the water. So when you do fall, it's like a bit more of an impact. There, like there's space to draw big lines on big waves and go big in the air too. So it's got a lot of the ingredients to make a good meal in my happiness book. 
So that's just really, I've become addicted to it, but being a surfer my whole life and I've had a real large passion for trying to surf big waves and see where I can push myself and push my limits in that area. And it just feels the exact same. You know, it's crazy that I could go out for a foil and it's two to three feet. Yet when I'm paddling onto it in my head, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm paddling into a 10 foot wave at shippies. Like it's like, there's this same approach that the two have. It is really weird, but just, it just feels the exact same. And that's just how I treat it. You know, even when it's one foot, I'm like telling myself it's 15 foot. <laughs> Just because you're going so quick and like when you're getting up in the foil, like there's this little buffer of like you getting from the board to the foil and everything can go wrong or everything can go right. And it's like, yeah, it's a rush. It's a rush. So I really enjoy that. And then there's toe foiling, which is another whole level of speed and getting onto waves that, you know, aren't paddleable. Just got it all around. Yeah, I'm just obsessed with it. Yeah. You preach into the choir. I think everybody listening is <laughs> obsessed with it. I think we're all trying to figure out why we're all so, so obsessed with it. Are you dabbling in? I saw the downwind runs that you were doing, yeah. like the one you did with Noah. Was it in Hawaii? Yeah. How does downwinding fit in to your matrix? Of, oh, man. You Noah's like such a legend, must I add. We had a really sick time in Hawaii. I learned so much off that guy. He's such a good dude. But yeah, we, we hung out a bunch in Hawaii and... Jack Ho, Jack from town is his Instagram. He hit us up saying they're doing some downwinds, you know, down near the, their way. And me and Noah kind of went there driving there thinking that he had the ski. So we just had our two surf foils that we've been proning on. And as we got close, it was like an hour drive. We called him and we're like, oh yeah. So like, are we going out the ski? He's like, no, nah, dude, <laughs> we're doing the, I think uh, the, the Kaiko run. And we're like, what? So there's no <laughs> ski. And it was a moment of like, oh, fuck, but like really excited just to send it because, you know, you stand up once and you're pumping quite far out. So when you fall, it's a long paddle in and you obviously don't want to do that. But uh, yeah, that was a really fun experience. And I've had a lot of downwind prone paddling experience in my time, just like okay. on the prone boards. So being out in the ocean and chasing those bumps is something I'm familiar with, but it's a lot different and a lot faster when you're on the foil. So it's like mine chest on steroids. So it's the best game, it's really right? Fun. Yeah, it's the best. It's just an active meditation. And this connection that you have with the ocean is undescribable. And I'm sure other people who downwind can agree, agree to that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got me. It's set its hooks into me. And now we're at about a month right now with no runs and it's driving me nuts. It's been yeah. really bad in Florida and I have a new board and so like, oh, it's just looking at you in the corner of the room and he just yep. wants you to take him out. Yep. I've gotten a wing on it a few times, which is really fun. Man, I was winging yesterday, Alex, and it was this weird it was west wind, which is offshore here and they're gustier and you kind of have to get out pretty far offshore before you can get into the wind line where it actually like comes back down onto the ocean. And I was just getting up. So I'm like pumping the wing, pumping, just starting to get up. And a manta ray came up directly in front of me, put out its tip. And I kind of, there's nothing I could do. And I tried to like almost air, like kind of get the board out. And he saw me and started to go down and we hit each other. And I was so bummed. And I'm glad it was a manta ray because at first I thought it was a massive <laughs> shark 
<laughs> and I was freaking out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if karmically that's terrible. I felt bad, but I like almost landed on his back. He was like diving under his like, I like jumped off. It's wild. Hectic. Yeah. I mean, you see any weird looking shadow in the ocean. It's hard not to think of the scariest thing possible. <laughs> yeah. What are you riding these days? Right now, I am loving the Vipinani. Yep. I think it's just, it's my all round go-to, whether it's like two foot to six to eight foot. It just feels really surfy and fast. And I've been really enjoying that. And then for prone sessions, I've been trying to prone on the 90, but it is a little, my legs are just super small. Build strength in them. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty small, but it's possible. I'm just trying to like, yeah, I mean, I see, I'm seeing guys like Zane Westwood in Watergoes ride like those, the Lift 70, and he's proning on it and going forever. And it's like, wow, like, I want to do that. So, but that's a um, super yeah, different I'm, foil. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, my knowledge with foils is, I'd like to say it's growing, but it's quite like, I don't have much. <laughs> so I'm trying to learn from all you guys and I've listened to a couple of your podcasts about all the tuning and stuff. So I'm trying to grow my skills there, but yeah, I've been enjoying trying to pump the 90 and then sometimes the 130 if I'm feeling lazy, but yeah. Epic. What are your, what are your local spots? Like where you live, where you live near PB? Is that right? Yeah. Well, I grew up in Mount Sydney. Uh-huh manly and this is where i am currently it's like a bit of a base for me but the last couple of years through covid i actually lived up on the gold coast and it's like spent a lot of that's kind of i dedicate my whole foiling career to being up there and like being around people and like my good friend and harley clifford who actually is <laughs> like i devote half my career to him because i would have never foiled for the first year if it wasn't for him because you know he was teaching me and we went behind his boat and we could just go all afternoon and have the sickest day on like just learning this foil. And yeah, I was writing, he let me write his gear for the, like the whole, like I didn't get, I didn't get my own setup until last year. Mm -hmm. So I was pretty much just writing his stuff until then. He's actually here right now. I think he hit me last week and there was just no surf, but we're going to try to get a session in the next week or so. So that's cool. He says he's got a boat lined up too, in case the waves don't oh, come back. Sick. That'd oh man, I hope you have a session with him. He's he's such an underground shredder. He's so freaking good in the foil, but he just doesn't share anything. <laughs> he's such a he's such a legend. I guess he's just got nothing to prove, obviously. But uh, yeah, he's absolutely riffing. So hopefully you guys link for a session. What is it about the wake guys that translates so well into foiling? Because you see at the Austins, the Noahs, the Harleys, like yeah, it's nuts. They're really leading the way. Like it's crazy. I I'm curious. I've been curious about that too because I, they just pick it up really quick. And I think for surfers, it's like it's harder for a surfer at first. I mean, I could be completely off the mark here. This is just an idea. But like for surfers to start foiling, it's quite hard because the unlearned surfing mm -hmm. is such a weird. It just doesn't feel natural. And like you're trying to force the surf stance when you're foiling, and that's what's the hardest thing about it. But once you like forget that you've ever surfed and then you just purely go to the foil and, and learn from the ground up and then you get that foundation and then you apply your surf knowledge that's when the two mix together and the the progression comes really quick but i was thinking this with the wake borders and once again i could be off the mark here but i just think there's something similar with the stance like 
they're so they're freaks with their balance and they're doing all these crazy flips upside down and landing in the craziest positions with this stance. And then for some reason it just translates over because every wakeboarder is a good foiler. I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. I, while you were just saying that I was thinking, and maybe there's something else about the consequence of it. I feel like wakeboarding is a very high consequence sport. I mean, the falls are just oh, insane. The impact. Gnarly. And so when you're yeah. going from surfing to foiling, I feel like you're actually kind of upping the, like yeah, the consequence. True. Intensity. Yeah. And maybe when you're coming from wakeboarding, because like when Noah was on the podcast, you know, he's interested in getting more into foiling, partly just because he's, you know, he's had so many injuries in wakeboarding and, you know, foiling is kind of like a brush of fresh air. Fresh air. Fully. So I wonder if that has something to do with the learning curve. You're just like, this is, you know, low consequence. Let's go. Yeah. They used to doing like double backflips and landing head first and then getting straight up and doing it again. Right. <laughs> it's yeah, it's pretty baffling. I've wakeboarded a few times and with everything I approach, I think it's my biggest downfall and danger with trying action sports. But when I do these things, I always think I'm better than I am. So <laughs> <laughs> I try shit that maybe it's like, uh, I don't know if it's possible, but let's just send it anyway. So when I did that wakeboarding, I landed on my head a couple of times and got some headaches. So I <laughs> stick foiling. Yeah. So a commonality in the sports that you do, it seems to be that they are all deep flow state sports. Are you familiar with that term, the flow states? Deep flow state. Yeah. 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 Very uh, interested and love, love it. So how does it, how does flow state resonate with you? Like if you have to describe it or your relation to it, what is that like for you? I guess the relationship with the flow state is the complete presence and blissful feeling that like, you don't remember anything. Like you never remember anything really when you're in that state mm -hmm. and nothing really matters. And to an extent, I think life is, you should be trying to be in that feeling for the majority of it. It's like this crazy weird connection that I just constantly want to be in, you know, when it's in the ocean or if I'm doing a really big training session and I'm not worried about what's going on social media or I'm not worried about what I'm going to eat later. I'm not worried about anything. It's just purely right now. And, and that the feeling I get from being in that moment is addicting and i think that's just i want to evolve my life around being in that state for as long as possible because that's when the world will get the best version of alex hayes and i'll be the best version of myself where i'm the kindest the happiest the most motivated so yeah i just always am trying to chase that and i think there's also on a science scientific level there's a lot of studies that people with adhd if they like sports they're just going to go into it as, as deep as they can and mm -hmm. yeah I, maybe it's that when you look at the different sports that you do i mean jumping out of planes versus surfing big waves versus foiling you know big waves versus foiling downwinding how do those states compare like is it the same state as dropping in at ship sterns as it is jumping out of a plane how much is it the chemical cocktail the adrenaline which is so much higher, I would assume, jumping out of a plane than doing a downwinder versus just the mental gymnastics that are happening on a downwinder without the same type of con different consequence. You might find yourself way offshore and have to paddle, but it's not like, you know, something goes wrong and you're in a really bad place. How do those feel to you? Yeah. I mean, I like the word chemical cocktail is a funny one because they're just like, yeah, all those things, they just release such a large amount of serotonin and you're on such a high 
And with all of them, there does come some lows too, just because you're like, you're jumping out of a plane, then you're on the ground and then you're like, it almost doesn't feel real. Like you've jumped out of the plane and then you just, you're super relaxed. You're almost numb until you want to like, until you want to do it again straight away. So it's like, it's an addictive sport, skydiving, just as well as like getting a big wave. Like you paddle for it, you get the big wave, you're like, oh my God. And then you're out the lineup and you kind of just want the next one straight away. But yeah, I'm not really sure how to compare. It's do they feel the same? differences for sure. Like yeah, I've never really sat with that thought. Um, I think there is just an overall feeling of accomplishment that is somewhat the same throughout the diversity, mm-hmm. but there is a different type of worn out that each can bring you. So like you know, four days straight of being in the ocean, you know, like you're cooked. But then like one day skydiving. Like you cooked, but you're not that cool. Like your body's fine. It's just mentally you're just tired. It's like, I assume that's probably the same with downwinding because you're so focused with the mind that like you're losing that many calories, but your body's not really like, I mean, actually, yeah, your body is getting a workout, but you're not getting pounded. So you're not like right. you're getting really sore. You're just getting overworked. But yeah, every everyone has its differences, I guess. Does playing music bring you the same thing? It's different. I might like. I love music. I love the creation of music, producing it, and sharing it is just the icing on the cake. I think that you know, playing. I try to play most of my gigs when I DJ sober, just because I don't want to. Like it is my job, and I don't want to rely on the alcohol to DJ. But in saying that, on the odd occasion when it does happen, like I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in Bali with all the guys recently, foiling. <laughs> Yeah. I played a gig in in Seminyak and all the guys came. And that was one of those nights where we just had an amazing dinner, had a few cocktails and we were just on a really good vibe and DJ then and like we're all just in the best vibe. That was really fun. But yeah, most of the time I try not to mix the two. But yeah, there's no better feeling than a natural high from like nature mm-hmm. and getting that that full what's the word like just being so embracing the moment in nature can never be beaten and i just think playing music in a dark room although it is the best feeling and there's a really good high around it it's it is different it's not like i guess there's an element of it not being completely natural because a lot of people are either drunk or whatever which is sick like everyone's having a good time and that's the main thing but yeah it's a different kind of high so when it comes to that yeah i just try keep a level head on when i'm doing all that stuff yeah that was the key word there (laughs) (laughs) it's got to be tough i mean that's got to be everyone's partying around you and do you get stage fright i mean are you at all nervous about getting up there's any sort of like anxiety in that regard yeah i used to when i like when i started for the first couple years like definitely i wouldn't have to plan out my set song by song <clears throat> and then just leave no room for error. Whereas now I've got, a, I've got a, a, you know, four years of maybe five of experience under my belt with just kind of turning up and playing to people. So the element of spontaneity I, I love now, so I can completely freestyle it and I don't really get that stage fright unless it's a really big festival where I'm really trying to, you know, play my best and there really is no room for error. I get I get my perfectionist anxiety. Like I just want to do a really good job for sure. How much 
when you're up DJing, I don't know much about DJ. I've always, I've, I love music. I've played music my whole life. I played a punk rock band back in the day and, but always like kind of on that. So I do some music production now, like a lot of like recording and yeah, my daughter's a singer songwriter. And so we have a recording studio here at the house and we do a lot of stuff. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. It's so fun. I share surfing and foiling with my son and music with my daughter. It's kind of like my two passions. That's magical. My, That's yeah. Magical. My, kids are into each actually my daughter just got accepted to be a lifeguard here and she, she had to do all the testing and stuff and oh, did great sick. so she starts her training soon so she's 16 you have to oh, be 16 man. lifeguard and music yeah i love that it's rad that's where it all started for me <laughs> but i don't know much about like djing so how much creative influence do you have on the night in that i know we're a little off topic on foiling but i think the creative process is very relevant yeah. we'll come back to foiling sure. and creation creativity i mean i'd like to say 100 percent. you know i want to build a brand in the music scene for sounds that i like and i'm not just trying to play the most expected songs that everyone wants to hear every time i'm not trying to be that kind of dj although there's nothing wrong with that like it's sick but i'm trying to find a balance of like doing that because i understand that half the room might want to hear all the mainstream stuff but then I want to like dedicate half of it to like, I'm building my brand with music. So I want to play what I want. And like, and some people aren't bound to like everything. So it, it is tough to kind of let that creative side take over when there is like a lot of safety net songs, if that's kind of the question you're asking. But yeah, the creative flow comes from what I want to share for sure, but also reading the room, making sure that everyone's having a good night in front of me. I kind of think of it like maybe being a storyteller where there's like some sort of narrative arc to your set and you're bringing people along for a journey. I don't know if that's accurate yeah. or not, but that's kind of what it no, seems ex like. No, extremely it accurate. Yeah. yeah, that's extremely accurate. That's cool. All right, so let's take that back now, creativity back into surfing and foiling. And how much creative expression do you find with a board under your feet? Ooh, I just feel limitless and i feel that when i'm on the foil and i'm going fast i just feel like anything can happen and it's a magical feeling i do feel at my most create like one of my most creative points when i do see just like a, a long line where i know i have a minute to two minute wave in front of me then i'm like let's go like let's just flow with it yeah very creative approach that's uh, that's something that i love so much about foiling is I feel like it's so much less constrained than surfing where in surfing, mm. I kind of always found that there was like kind of a maneuver for the section and like good surfing is I think generally about spotting the right maneuver for the right section and mm -hmm. foiling. I kind of feel like it's more of a blank canvas where, because you have mm. speed and you have so much carry with so much efficiency, you have a much wider range that you can play in, which allows you to have a lot more to be a lot more open-minded in the way you approach a wave. And I think what's really cool is that if you look at a Zane Westwood or an Adam Bennett's, I don't know, you, Josh Koo, like there's so many great guys and you can see how they each express themselves differently and what they're drawn to in waves and just how, like where the creativity is going. I think it's so cool. Yeah, it's magical. Yeah, as you like what you were like to back up what you were just saying like, with the surfing and foiling differences it's like when you're surfing you can't 
manufacture a wave. Like you, you're purely having to react to what the wave's doing and work within that threshold. You know, as you're obviously the best guys in the world can do an air on a section that majority can't. So there's that element of like creating something out of nothing. But for the most part, you have to stay in the pocket. You have to stay within this range of wave power to perform. And once you leave that, you can't go, you can't, you know, you're falling off the wave with foiling there is definitely the element of that but the majority of it is freedom of direction so i can see something 200 meters away that might happen and pump over there and in the meantime of myself doing that i could see something the other direction or somewhere else and i just go there and i just think the flexibility to have that is like unreal and it's completely i don't think anyone in the foil world understands what's possible I think we're at this point where we're only just kind of figuring it out and like people are having amazing moments and like there's all the best guys like Noah, Adam, Zane, Josh, like they're just having these sessions and I don't know, I could be off the mark here, but like they might do something and they surprise themselves and then they'll do it again and they're like, oh, actually it's not impossible. And then that's just going to keep going. I guess that's where we're at with this sport is like, if the best guys are still surprising them, themselves with their ability, we're so early. How, how much different do you and think just, foiling it, it, looks? It, it excites me. Yeah, me too. How, how much different do you think foiling looks in, say, five years? I don't know. That's like asking what cryptocurrency was going to be like in 2013. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of big airs, strapless and strapped. But yeah, I think strapless airs are going to be a big part. But I think just mixing real power surfing in the pocket, you know, really trying to like almost stay in that surf pocket range mm. on the foil and do what Adam's doing and, but be doing that on eight to 10 foot, maybe 15 foot, hopefully 20 foot, you know, if the design innovation is going to continue the way it's going, you know, you're going to be able to perform on a 20 foot wave like you can on a four foot wave. I think there's that's where a lot of the room to grow is going to come from is like, yeah, big wave performance and then, yeah, big air performance. So it's just everything that's happening now, but just extremitized. <laughs> yeah, I think we're hitting the next phase right now, which is, so we've had the world's best wakeboarders get into foiling, but the world's best surfers really haven't done it yet. And, mm. you know, I just got to tow with Eric Geiselman and spending a bunch of time talking to him lately and his approach to waves, you know, he hasn't been foiling that long. He's already incredibly good, but his ceiling is very high. It's going to be incredible to watch him progress over the next year or two because he's fully foil brained now. And yeah. while we were towing, like he's trying rodeos strapless and landing, you know, not riding out yet, but that's not that far off, I don't think. Yeah. And there, there's just going to be this whole next level of growth as, you know, he and other very high level surfers are entering the sport. It's going to take it, you know, right now, like Adam is probably one of the best surfers to really take on foil surfing. And yeah. you see where he's been able to take it. But there's exactly. another tier of surfers that is now going to start getting into it. It's going to be really interesting to see, I think, what happens with that. I mean, you're going to have to go back to first principles. You can't just take surfing into foiling and expect it to work. You're going to have to learn the foil from the ground up. But once yeah. they do that, like you talked about earlier, and integrate foiling back into surfing, 
it's going to be incredible. Yeah. I think a lot of surfers now, this is a wild call, but I think a lot of surfers now just don't want to get into it because they fear sucking. <laughs> and there's so much uh, expectation, I guess, I see in the surfing community that everyone needs to rip. And it's not as much about fun as much anymore. Like, you know, paddle out in the lineup and you, like, you're seeing people try really rip a wave, which is sick. I love the idea of, you know, performing at your best. But then they're kicking out of a wave because they didn't, you know, hit the section right. And then they're paddling out all bummed and they're all rattled. And then that energy will just translate onto the next person. And then there's just like this real weird energy in the water of like mm-hmm. everyone's trying to be really good and they're forgetting that they're just riding ripples in the ocean. And then that connection's kind of lost. And so when you're trying to get like, I've tried to get a bunch of surf friends into it and it's just like, nah, no, no way. Like, dreaming <laughs> and i'm just like man like come look look at the light look at look this way please like it's so freaking fun but yeah those who do bring it on and really accept the hu- humility that it will bring to suck and hate it and then overcome that it's uh, yeah it's incredible how good they get like my friend my, my buddy cooper chapman he's a pro surfer has been doing amazing things in the ocean for a long time and He's read the foil a couple of times. And at the start, he was kind of just like, yeah, whatever, like writing it off. But, you know, in his fourth session, it kind of clicked and then he was freaking riffing. And I'm like, just the amount of time that it takes for someone like that to be really good, it's kind of mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And I think once a lot more surfers give it a crack, they'll be like, why didn't I try this sooner? I agree. And I think the social barrier is somewhat breaking down now. Yeah. You know, I think that it'll be a lot easier next year for a surfer to start foiling than it is now from a social dynamic perspective from a, you know, people aren't going to think that weird about it. We're starting to see it here in Florida, in Jacksonville, where, you know, so Eric Eiselman is fully foil brained. Gabe Kling, who was on the CT, spends a lot of time on foil now. And even local surfers here, I just sold a board to one of the local surfers who's pretty good and one of the kids in Jacksonville who's you know surfing all the events and whatnot he's foiling as much as he possibly can so you know, those are the early guys and it's going to make it socially acceptable very yeah. soon I think for other people to get in and it's hard to argue with how much fun it is yeah for sure I could probably count on one hand in our group of, we've got a pretty solid group of foilers here. I could probably count on one hand the amount of guys who have gotten out of the water mad after a session, not including winging, because yeah. everybody's mad when they start winging. <laughs> yeah, I've had one wing session. And I was <laughs> was rattled. it terrible? I was so rattled. <laughs> but Tell I'm me really the story excited that. <laughs> well, mom, we live in a very like good place in Sydney. Like, there's a lot of wind, so I see people doing it all the time. And my dad is a sailor, and he's you know, sailed his whole life and he's a windsurfer. He was Australian windsurf champion. He went to the Olympics for sailing. So his whole career and life has been built off wind. And so he's kind of been seeing these guys with this weird umbrella looking thing on a foil out the front. They're like, what the hell is going on? Like he's, he's started to like open an eye to it. And so he, he went and I went with him and got a bunch of gear for him and He's just out there like he's never foiled before i think he's done one e-foil but he's trying to learn the wing without actually learning to foil first but he's like he's getting it quick and i'm like what is like it took so long for me to even get up on the foil 
and then you're just going straight into the deep end. So I was like, oh, well, give me a try <laughs> without watching any videos, no instructions on how to do it, what to do it, purely <laughs> just like just grab the wind thing, thinking I'm going to stand up. You know, my ego was like, yeah, I'm going to nail this <laughs> again on it. And then the wind wing would just hit the water and then I'd fall or like it was heavy. <laughs> and I was surprised with how heavy the wing was and my shoulders couldn't hold on to it. And I'm just like seeing all these old legends just around doing circles and here's me just thinking I was going to be good and I couldn't even move a meter. So yeah, <laughs> it was, that was a quick session. Dude, I hated learning. It was terrible. And then once I got it, now I love it. It's like I've yeah. had a bunch of good wing sessions, but I'm weird. I only wing on huge boards because uh, I never want to have those shockers. So I ride... I have one board that I ride for my sup downwind wing and sup sir, or sup foil. Yeah. And it's great. And I love it. I love that board so much. And it's kind of shocker proof. Yeah. Sounds like something I need. Yeah. It makes yeah. It I really want to get into the wind winging. Everyone just tells me how fun it is. And it just, yeah, it looks amazing. When, it, you know, when the wind's strong and hitting little bumps, doing big airs, it just looks unreal. Yeah. I like it just going offshore and it's basically like a chairlift for downwind essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Fully. I mean, seeing what James Casey's doing with it, man, he's doing upwinds. <laughs> like that, that idea is so baffling. So like he's got his wind wing and he's going upwind and then he's like unpacking the yeah. wing while like a couple kilometers out to sea off the Australian coastline and then just turning around and then going back where he came a few like, 10 kilometers or those extreme distances that he does for breakfast like it's really sick to see the flexibility that this whole boiling thing has brought to the ocean it's like it's unbelievable it's too good to be true it's like for generations there was so much untapped potential in the ocean and then the foil came along and now it's all of a sudden it's like wait a second yeah. There's so much more fun on offer than we ever realized. Yeah. yeah. I love living in Florida now. You know, I that's that's an insane thought growing up as a surfer in Florida and just hating that I was born in Florida to now thinking it's, it's I don't pretty, really want to go small on waves there often. Ah, it's tiny all the time. It's perfect foil waves all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's well, so perfect sick. foil waves for me, not for you, I should say. <laughs> Every wave's a perfect foil wave, dude. Yeah. You just need different equipment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Speaking on that, the one your your one forty progression, like that's I like that's a magic wing. I mean, I'm a small I'm a smaller dude, so I'm excited to hopefully wait for the smaller ones. But I when I rode it and it was like one foot, I feel like I could just go forever. And it was just like we we had a couple of sessions in Bali recently, and I, I got to have a crack and. I was really stoked with that. Stoked, man. It's been such a fun project and it's been really cool. It's been a really fun week right now because like they're all being delivered. And so my DMs and messages are just kind of blowing up with how stoked people are. And that was the whole goal for me was oh, just sick. I just, you know, I like it when you can add stoke to someone's life. And I yeah. feel like the project has done that. At least the messages that I get, it feels like it has. So. It's yeah, really the overall fun. response that I see is amazing. Yeah. And just everyone's ripping. Like I think the the actual foiling speaks for itself. 
when you see people your wing and you're like okay it's it's a good it's, wing <laughs> it's easy to ride and i think that's the thing it's just like for, if you're like beginner intermediate to pretty good you can it doesn't limit you in either place which i think yeah. is the cool thing about it but yeah, let, yeah we don't have to sick. talk about that let's talk about social media yeah. sweet so and this is something we've talked about on the show a couple times but i'd like to get your take because I mean, a lot of your success, I and mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but if it seems like as an outsider, you've been able to really take advantage of leveraging social media. You said you were in Instagram very early, you were able to build a big following, but not all social media is great. And it's not all great for the soul and the mind. What is your relationship personally with social media? Yeah, social media is a hard one, man, because it's what you make it. And it's mm -hmm. like, I imagine, Putting simply, you know, approaching social media is like approaching a supermarket. You know, you're going into a supermarket and you've got 12 aisles full of whatever you want to get. And, you know, there's aisles in the middle that are full of candy and all the shit that's right in the very middle that you see as soon as you walk in. And you can go and go with your trolley and you can go straight to that aisle because it's the most, it's the most colorful, it's the most tasty, it's the most desired. And you're filling up your trolley with all the shit food you know, that over time is going to make you feel like shit. Or you can kind of go past that and, you know, you go to the fruit section or you go to the health section or, you know, the sections that will really make you better, you know, on just a physical level. And it's like social media, you know, the people that you choose to follow, the people that will, like, contribute to how you feel. So trying to fill up your social media trolley with all the fruit, with all the good shit, with all the good people, the inspiring people, so that every time you go into that social media feed, at least you know the majority of it is positive and the majority of it is inspiring. So that automatically makes the whole experience better. But unfortunately, there is not much education around that. So all these kids are just following all this high serotonin releasing, like pretty much like soft porn and like all this like weird shit that like, it's just kind of there to make you question your life. Like, or like, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of negativity too, a lot of just shit energy, a lot of news media, like saying the world's ending tomorrow and like everything that's made to feel you scared, everything that's there to make you feel scared, fearful, or doubtful on you know, your own existence. So to try, trying to avoid all of those feelings because it's unnecessary when life is we're lucky to be here. So to try fill up, I know I just try to fill up my social media with positive and uplifting people living their life, people showing that, you know, there is no limits and trying to follow that with my own actions. You have mentioned twice now that we're lucky to be here. Can you kind of reflect back on that statement? And when did that mindset start for you? Where did that idea come from? And how does it apply resonate to your life? Well, unfortunately, loss, I think the loss of friends, the loss of family, really kicks into reality, how life is not inevitable, and life is not certain. And you know, death is inevitable, we're going to die, and not all of us are going to live. 
because we might not think that we're here to live. You know, we're here. We, we might think that we're just here to follow the system and be told what to do and all the sort of stuff, which I understand for a lot of people with their hand that life's dealt them, like might not be able to just get in a plane or like, you know, get that exact job they want straight away. Like it's a process, right? But enjoying that process and really making your life around enjoying whatever process that you have to go through because a lot of people don't have that process and a lot of people don't have like they're not able to walk in a straight line they're not able to breathe they're not able to see like people who are born with ears eyes a healthy body and a healthy mind have it all so i think having that realization that wow like not everything is on a material level and i'm simply here right now and i'm stoked because i tell myself i'm stoked because i can walk in a straight line and breathe fresh air and look at the sky it sounds super cliche but it's just the reality of it for me because you know i've lost friends i've had friends i had a friend commit suicide when i was you know one of my close friends in school and it came out of nowhere and it was one of those realizations like fuck like so many people are hurting and like the mental health i guess it's a pandemic of mental health at the moment so i really it's i guess that's why i really try to push the message of meditation and everything that helps better mental health and physical activity because trying to battle that but yeah the reason why i say you know we're lucky to be here is just because we are and like you know we could die tomorrow we could all die tomorrow so we're not they shouldn't expect to be here forever. How do you rationalize that belief of the preciousness of life with then also being so risk tolerant and doing things that are so heavy? Because you're not living a careful life. Yeah. It's, it's precious, but you're not. Yeah. It's almost like the Hunter Thompson quote of skidding to your grave. And I don't remember exactly what the quote is, but I love it. It has to do with, you know, n not bringing a pristine body to the coffin, to just barely getting <laughs> there because you've lived a full life. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. But how do you yeah, rationalize I I mean, the two of those? Yeah. It's a really good question. I don't know. I just, I guess I'm just drawn to it and it's something that makes me feel most alive. So I guess when you're when you're in the corner of death, you really start to appreciate life. And I know that's a pretty cliche thing to say, but like when you're surfing a big wave and, you know, you know, you're out in the lineup and you know that maybe in the next minute, like a huge wave's coming your way and you're going to turn and go for it. But there's all the negative thoughts and realities that can happen from you making that decision. But that brings that really enhanced presence to focus and, be like fuck it and then you just feel the most alive when you overcome those fears but also like understanding the bad realities that can happen it just switches you into this mode and then the more you're in that mode like i don't know just makes it gives me this extra drive in life to just attack everything and enjoy it have you ever had any moments any heavy moments where you questioned what you were doing in that moment, or you didn't think you were going to be able to get out at a, on a big day or, you know, a parachute More not opening, not. anything like that. Yeah. I'm fearful with everything, you know, like 
even like getting on this podcast, I was like, oh, like getting this fear with everything, but there is no courage without fear. So I try use the fear to help me be excited to be courageous. So I guess I have been on like this, I'll use cliff jumping for an example. Like I've been on the side of like a 15, 15 meter, 20 meter cliff. And there's some days where I just don't feel right. And, you know, there's, there is like a balance of like intuition of, you know, listening to your intuition saying, no, today's not the day, come back another day. But then the other side of that scale is fear and self-doubt and negativity. And I guess the biggest challenge in life for me and maybe for everyone too, is like trying to understand that spectrum is real. So I'm trying to be as close as I can to the trusting my intuition and going get like steering away from fear. Um, but that means that there'll be days where, you know, there could be all cameras and there could be all people here at this cliff jump ready to see me do my thing. And I just don't feel right, but I got to listen to myself and just walk away. And the ego doesn't like that because it's always wanted to show off. And I, I'm always wanted to show off. Like <laughs> I'll admit that, but yeah, listening to your intuition to say like, Hey, today's not your day. Come back another day and just be in a better mindset and approach it maybe in a more calm present way. So then you just are in that flow state presence and not trying to force it. How can you tell the difference between the intuition and the fear? Yes, I guess that's the question I'm trying to learn the answer to because it's, yeah, it's the challenge, but I guess trial and error. <laughs> Hopefully not too many errors, man. <laughs> Do you opt on the side of safety or send in those moments? Oh, it just depends. If it's something that I train for and put in time to, to be ready for, I'm way more on the send side, but if it's something that, you know, I'm not familiar with, or um, it's like, a, if I'm trying a new activity or I'm at a new location and there is like, I'm not across at all. Like, I don't feel like I'm across at all. I'm more on the safe side because then you just build momentum from being safe to then send. It's not always full send at the start because that's just a bit stupid. Like, I don't want to hurt myself. I've had a few injuries and it just, hate being injured but at the same time like good growth comes from it but you know you want to avoid it as much as possible so i am trying to not do stupid shit i'm just trying to do calculated stupid shit and that's a big difference <laughs> yeah that's a very big difference man i'm just kind of thinking about this all from your perspective so there are moments when you do walk away for sure yeah for sure there's days where you just don't feel like it and that's okay. Like you, you just go home, rest the body. And there's always another day. I mean, so slightly contradicting what I was saying before, cause you never know if there's another day, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, there is another day if you make that decision on the right day. Yeah, exactly. that's for sure. You said at the beginning of the show that you're getting the same feelings, surfing, foiling smaller waves as you were, are surfing, you know, huge waves. And I've seen clips and pictures of you in some incredible feelings. One of the thoughts that I've had about flow states, and this is going to take me just a second, but bear with me, is that we, there is a difference, and I feel like you're someone who probably understands this difference of 
being addicted to a flow state and addicted to a sport. And I think what happens in a lot of sports is that people equate the state with the sport, and then it gets very difficult for them to understand that they could get that same feeling in a different area. And I think what happens is if you look at skydiving to base jumping to some of the crazy wingsuit stuff, there's like this progression of consequence, but it's not really achieving in my mind, and at least for me, it doesn't really achieve a deeper state. It's just that to get the same state, you kind of keep having to up the ante. It's probably very similar for someone like a drug addict in some fashion where they keep having yeah. to, you know, use more and more to get the same feeling. But then once you realize that you can switch sports and you get the same feeling, but at a much lower consequence at the beginning of that sport anyways. And then, you know, the whole progression starts again. That was a big moment in understanding for me because I had been someone who was kind of just always pushing it in, you know, the surfing area, the skating when I was younger. I've kind of always been addicted to some sort of like deep flow state. Yeah. But I've never, it wasn't until kind of I had to move back. I lived in Costa Rica for 10 years. We oh, abruptly had to move back. And when we moved back, I was just like lost. I lived in Florida and I didn't have barrels on tap every day and it was really difficult i got into like cart racing and stuff like that and doing <laughs> things that were probably a lot more dangerous and then kind of realized that i was hitting those same things this is what i was searching for and then you know thank goodness foiling came around and now i'm just fully all in on on foiling but has that ever has that been something that you've thought about about you know like the progression in these sports and the risk that comes with that progression and being able to move to another sport mm -hmm. to achieve the same feelings at a much lower consequence? Definitely. I think that life is just all about learning. And if you reach a point where you think you're not learning, then you're probably not going to get the same enjoyment out of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So to be a student of life is the approach I like to just keep with my everyday approach. And, you know, I think going from something that you know really well to something you don't know at all it's scary and it's hard to take that step but then you know as you're saying like you just you feel like you're back at square one and it's like if you can have your first if you're a surfer if you can go back to the first day you ever surfed again you'd be like but then you can do that by just learning something else <laughs> in the same kind of area but yeah for sure i just think always learning no matter what it is helps everything on the topic of learning, you're someone who's gotten incredibly good at a number of different sports. Do you have a certain practice or approach that you use when you're getting into something new for accelerated learning? How do you approach like training in foiling right yeah. now? Do you think about it like that? Do you ever think like, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to work on this or is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, if I'm being honest, like I just think it's in my nature to be really competitive, but not necessarily like competitive with everyone else, like just competitive with myself. Like I have this drive inside me that I just think I can be really good and I want to like work towards being as good as I can be with whatever I guess I do. But because that's just what I enjoy, I must add. But I do like train a lot. I just, I'm a very big, I guess what's the word like believer in just your physical health and mental health is the most important, you know, your two most important pillars ever. So you need to train. So I think I just love training a lot for everything, but with the action sports that I do, 
I do try approach it in a professional way. So I work with a coach up in the Gold Coast whose Instagram is Holistic Pro Health. His name's Rodrigo. He's been a coach for like 12 years and he's a mind, he helps with my mindset. He helps my planning and my goals and the reality of like, you know, you want to do this? Well, this is what you're going to do to do this. And I need someone like that to kind of keep me on track. You know, because if I do want to be the best I can be in these physical activities, then I have to you know, put my money where my mouth is and, you know, work at it. And on the other side of it, you know, like things like ice baths and breath work and meditation, physio, I, I try soak up all those professional resources as much as I can because I want to look after this body that I'm lucky to have forever you know it's the most important accommodation you'll ever have to pay for so you may as well try look after it as much as you can yeah I don't know I think I might, might have gone off topic there <laughs> I do that a lot no, but... it's great the, I think that first off I think it's been incredible like getting to know you a little bit better on this show and I was you know going into this podcast I knew there was going to be a lot more depth than on a technical foiling podcast. And I'm glad that, you know, that's where this has gone. Because I think that it's easy for someone to probably see what you're doing online and not realize the work and thoughtfulness that's going in behind it, right? So I yeah. think that that's a very cool. And my intuition was that you don't become who you've become like, without that and so that that's incredibly cool what haven't we touched on Thank yet you, that yeah that you want to dive into oh i mean we haven't had a had our two hours straight foiling chat <laughs> i don't know man i can chat all day i'm <laughs> i love to talk i love to listen to i'm sure you've got some amazing stories i want to know actually when you let's turn this around to i'm interviewing you i want to <laughs> learn i want to know when you started foiling so I'll be quick because I think most of the audience probably knows this, but okay, quick. Um, when we moved back from Costa Rica, we had to move back, and Dave Kalama had actually been down subsurfing with me in Costa Rica, and he was just starting to foil at that point and told me I should get into it, and I didn't listen. We had to move back here, and it was probably about a year and a half after that, and my buddy Josh Waitskin had started, and. I was up with him on Martha's Vineyard and I hopped on an e-foil that he had and I thought it was kind of cool. And it was just a different experience, but I was still like super into the something. I was like competitive and the whole thing. And then, but being back in Florida, just the reality was dawning on me that it wasn't, you know, maybe foiling was a better way. And so that's yeah. kind of how I got into it. So yeah, it was Dave first and then Josh second. And then, then as soon as I felt it, as soon as I got that first one glide, it was there's nothing was going to stop it at that point yeah, yeah just over yeah that's the moment yep that's the moment who, who are your fa top like who are your favorite foilers right now i love to talk about there's so many amazing foilers right now in the world and i draw inspiration from so many Man, it there's it's a really hard question to answer isn't it i think it depends on the discipline i think if yeah. we're talking about the game that i play you know i get to foil with some of the people like all the time that I think are like some of the most inspiring, you know, Mike Pedigo, Austin Tovey, Brian Finch, like yeah. I play with those guys, you know, <laughs> weekly, if not daily. Yeah. 
And so that's crazy to kind of have to compete in that arena every day, which is awesome because I think that's also like kind of why the level here has gotten pretty good. Globally, I would say, I mean, it's tough to not mention Adam. I think he's drawing incredible yeah. lines. I really oh, appreciate Kane and Kiahi for the same reason. And it is that I feel like Kane and Kiahi are still above everyone else in regards to being able to ride a foil from first principles. I think if you had never surfed and you didn't have surfing as your framework for foiling, I think yeah. that we would foil more like Kane and Kiahi because it makes more sense from a like a physics perspective. And so you can see them getting things out of the foil. And I try to incorporate a lot of what they do into what I do. But yeah, I think that they're still leading the way in that regard. And I still think that like a lot of people haven't even figured out like kind of why that is yet. But it's, you know, you can take more G-forces when you're straight up and down. You don't need to turn a foil with a wide stance. You could be pretty narrow and use your ankles and leverage and just bank it. And I think those guys are leading the way there. Yeah. So who do you think? Who are you looking at right now? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a hard question now that it's thrown back at me, but <laughs> it's like, you know, there's the obvious ones, you know, there's like Adam Bennett's and then Zane Westwood. He's, yeah, he's an amazing I didn't mention watch. Zane. I should mention um, too. Yeah, he's really sick. We had a fun session yesterday. Noah Flegel, I like the lines that guy's like, I don't think there's anyone doing the lines that he's, he's doing and just the amount of sessions that we've had and the shit that he does that is so next level and he's just so nonchalant about it. He kind of trips me out, you know, he's doing like strapless backflips and it's just like a normal Monday morning for him. And then, you know, there's Harley Clifford. I really love watching him foil, especially by the boat. He's just nailing it. The Tahitian guys, like Matahi and Ariho, Full they're doing some unreal sends and I can't wait to get over there and foil with them. And then there's, you know, the Kyle Lenny, you know, Kai's mm -hmm. just the absolute king of the ocean. I yep. look up to that guy a lot and he's just a really good dude. Then there's a lot of like upcoming foilers who I just know we're going to be at the front if they aren't already there. You know, my buddy Caleb Pont, who's a, a young he legend from, he rips, man. He's from the sunny coast yep. and he, he was still like last year, 50-50 on the surf foil. And I was just like, dude, just go all in and see where it takes you. So He's just been absolutely shredding and it's been really sick to see. Can't not mention my good buddy, Josh Koo. He's just yep. absolutely charging and he blew my mind over in Bali recently on our trip. Oh, can't not mention James Casey. Like the list just goes on. There, there's yep. an amazing lineup of absolute talented humans that literally just, yeah, they're the reason I foil because I've watched them. And I remember I, <laughs> Adam's probably going to laugh a bit, but would watch a couple of his clips in the mirror. So he was a goofy foiler. <laughs> so I could try to learn a bit faster. That's brilliant. That's awesome. Um, yeah, man. I'm just grateful for the community of the foil world because it's so positive and you never see someone walking up the beach with a foil and they're, un and they're unhappy. You know, everyone's got a smile. Everyone's stoked for each other's success and everyone's stoked to share. And um, yeah, it's a big, it's a big one love community you know and i'm just grateful to be a part of it outside of foiling who do you look for inspiration Ooh, it's a really good question there's I so just, many inspiring so i just saw you uh, spending some time with italo how much of a legend is he man 
oh man, he's a special human. Right. He's such a good dude. He is just like the most humble, kind, and present human. Like when you know, whenever I'm around him, you can just I, it's like you can tell he's come from like a, an upbringing where maybe he didn't have much and or like of anything at all, and he's in like he's giving a lot of his success back to his community back home in Brazil and. Whenever I surf with him, he's just like obviously mind blowing, and he's and he's training all day. He's just a real go getter and a sick energy to be around. So yeah, extremely inspired by him, inspired by you know, like content wise, like Jamie O'Brien. He's re- done a really like an amazing job on the YouTube space, and I dedicate a lot of my YouTube inspiration to him. And then there's you know guys like Wim Hof, mm-hmm. who inspire me to just be a better human a lot of my a lot of my close friends i'm inspired by you know i'm lucky to be around them my buddy cooper chapman's doing amazing things you know educating people on our awareness on our mental health and how it's a priority and he's going speaking at schools and inspiring the youth to work on those mindset growing principles that's um and then you know that let's let's take a minute there that's come up a couple times on the show and Joel Pilgrim was on recently and we had a great conversation yeah. that you know had a lot to do with mental health and and I actually was having this conversation with some friends a lot smarter than me over the last few days and I feel like and I'll start this by saying something and then I want you to weigh in and give me your take I feel like as a society we are becoming more and more removed from nature and I feel like we probably peaked in happiness right around the combustion engine. And now I feel like mm. a lot of the new you know, innovation that's happened has taken us, has really removed us and separated us. And, and we were having this discussion in the context of coming AI and what that's going to do to all sorts of things. And I feel like it's going to be, and I feel like right now, you know, mental health is at its lowest point. It's probably ever been by almost all metrics, if you look at the amount of like antidepressants that are be given out or that are yeah. taken in the yeah, States right wild. now. And I mean, it's terrible. Um, and so I, yeah. you know, I kind of think it might be a removal from nature and from community, you know, Sebastian Younger was on the show and, you know, that's his whole thing. What do you think? I think a lot, <laughs> I think a lot of, on this subject. So it's, it'll be hard to try and nail it down because it's just like, a, it's a bit of a rabbit hole, you know, we got you're completely right on the distancing from nature. Like I think everything net or well, at least the majority of institutionalized environments and the media, it's like everything's around not being grounded to an extent and being full of fear. And when I say like institutionalized environments, I mean like places where you got to wear the same, you know, stuff, wear shoes, you know, like do exactly what you're told and don't have the freedom of feeling to kind of follow your path. Um, and then, you know, then the media is just filled with all this fear, especially the last two years or the COVID bullshit. Like you should be scared to go outside. You know, there's this death, there's this deadly thing. Like, obviously, you know, there was like, it was a hard time, you know, it was a sickness and people got it and got really sick and a lot of people died, which is unfortunate, but you know, those, same there's been viruses around doing that exact same thing for forever and you know there's more foods that are being sold in supermarkets that kill more people than their virus but there's no mention of that you know so i think 
overall the last two years there's been a lot of fear that's led to people just feeling this constant feeling of uneasiness and so then when they're being put into these environments when they're just pretty much not in nature they're not breathing fresh air or you know not moving their body and they're not moving their mind it's like no wonder it is where it is because it's just like you feel like your world would be ending so the connection with nature is like yeah i think it should be our most important and embraced blessing is just being in nature yeah i couldn't agree more what do you i hope you'll come back on the show this has been fun i've enjoyed chatting yeah man super stoked i it's funny like i think you've asked me a couple of questions and i've just gone and spoken about the complete opposite and most random shit but yeah i love having a chat man i'm a fan of your work and yeah i'm stoked to keep learning of what you share online and watching you rip and yeah i'll come on anytime you're happy to have me so i'm stoked next, next time you have stories just hit me up <laughs> what are you um, doing tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow uh, i'm going on happening a, today I'm, I'm going on a wake boat with a bunch of florida rippers and foiling all day just kind of wow. awesome yeah that's amazing. That sounds like a good day. It'll be a good day, which is why I'm kind of ending us a little bit early because I need to <laughs> eat dinner and go to bed because it's going to be an early morning because I got to drive a couple hours. Oh, wow. What do, what do you want to leave folks with? For first off, open invite to come on the show whenever you want. Just hit me up and do it. And what do you want to leave folks with? Ooh, I think just get out there, you know, do something wild, do something left field today, break up the routine go see that friend that you've been putting off seeing or go to the gym that you've been putting off going to or go for a foil on the waves that you might not usually go for in and i don't know just go be a student of life and see where it takes you because the most magical things happen when you least expect it so just send it somewhere to you i think that's i'd like to leave it on that Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonson.